0: And now, a tweet from Miles. I
1: had an extremely attractive dental assistant today. Made sure to let her know I brush three times a day. She was not impressed. Hashtag shoot your shot 2017.
0: What?
2: fuck about
1: chronicle concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple all-glory, no-grass-stains fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Double G, Joe the Truth, Jack the Biological Father, and Dad Bod Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode 20 entitled, A Bragging Poltergeist.
0: okay bachers welcome to episode 20 g bone how are you i'm great wonderful low key good evening how you doing i'm fantabulous wonderful and i'm tim And we're happy you're with us. Unfortunately, Jack Swagger can't make it tonight, but we certainly will be talking about some of the things that happened with Jack this week. He's hiding in shame. (laughs) He could be. I think the gods are striking back. We can talk about that in a little while for sure. Uh, So for the games of the week, so let's talk about Jack's Wax Pack. They sneak by the street people, 47 to 46. This was a close game. Really, the Yankee staff put up a huge five points more than the Red Sox staff and Wow, I think I think the fantasy gods are striking back for sure. Lethal Injection and St. Locash. This was a game we were talking about all week long. Lethal Injection squeaks out a win, 44 to 42.5. This could be the nail in the coffin for Chris. And I think we're going to unpack this game in a little bit and talk a little more. Reardon Metal. Taking out the Funkin' Punks, Reardon Metal, 48, Punkin' Punks, 43. Kind of an easy week for Joe, although Joe has been paying attention to folks in the next game. Omission Commission, who beat Mr. Blonde's Heroes, 49.6 to 46.8. We know where Greg's at this season. Omission Commission continues to just chug along. Big, big win for both of those teams. And then 47, Ronan, who couldn't fucking buy a win uh, into the playoffs, (laughs) is now on a streak of his own, uh, taking out the Dreamers 44 to 40. My luck has returned, but alas, it's too late. Right, exactly. So let's run down the the division standings. With the Griffey Division, Jax Wax Packs again, another win. Puts him at 13.4. 47, Ronan. Winning when I shouldn't be. Uh, it's now at 8 and 9. Blondie and the Funkin' Punks both lose. They are both now 6 and 11. I think one thing we should talk about a little later on, boys, is the race to the bottom. I think that's just as interesting. Well, maybe not just as interesting, but it could be interesting. McGuire Division, Omission Commission and Reader metal, both 12 and 5. What a fucking race this is. I'm loving it. The Dreamers lost again. They're down to 7 and 10. They are continuing to fall and fall quickly. St. Locash with the loss moves to nine and eight. Lethal Injection with the win moves to nine and eight. And Bad Street loses again to three and fourteen. So again, the Bonds and Griffey divisions, both with two teams, knotted up at top of the division. To me, St. Locash is probably done because they've got uh, Rude Mineral and Jacks Wax Packs coming up. But who knows? Fantasy baseball—they're tied with lethal injection. Lethal injection essentially needed Chris to not do a deal. Is that right, Greg? Did you—you you actually try to do a deal with Chris to get Chris the Cub?
3: Yeah, I did, and I'm gonna—you know—I'm gonna call him out on this. Uh, you know me, guys. Uh, as Tim so colorfully pointed out via text, I'm all about uh, moving <laughs> some merchandise this time of year. <laughs> Uh, and the Cubs were something, and I was, I was damned if I wasn't going to try to get some value from my misery. I wasn't being greedy. My offers were more than fair, I thought. I wasn't trying to influence the race, per se, but I thought Chris himself had talked about the Angels, and he wasn't exactly thrilled with them, and nobody else seemed interested, and so... I made him not one but two deals.
0: What were they, they? They were offers, right? <laughs> they were offers. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah,
3: and he responded to my offer like uh, it was very strange. He said, "You know what? You need to decide by like 2 p.m. Eastern time, or the deal's off." <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, okay." I counter-offered him, and he never the the deadline his self imposed deadline passed. So
2: the first so thing that, is you don't have you don't have to put that caveat in there about influencing the race you have a perfect right to go out and find a buyer for what you want to sell you know you don't have to apologize in any way for for making that offer fuck yeah joe both of those guys can go out and and make offers too so then i thought Who's the other person that might need some pitching staff help?
3: And I thought of Jack. And so I thought, well, this will be fun playing brother versus brother. (laughs) And I offered him the Cubs. And I think we came to a fair deal. Um, But I did then proceed to watch Chris lose this close game because the Angels utterly shit the bed.
2: I didn't see what your deal was with Jack for the third pitching staff. It was Castellanos.
0: And the Cubs the and for the Cubs. Nikki Williams of the Philadelphia Phillies. Okay.
3: Plus, but there was another. There was a wrinkle. It was a. It was slightly painful. I get Jack's first round staff pick next year. Mm. Jack gets my first round. Well, wow, that's pick not painful
0: because you have Pop's first round pick. I, right.
3: Exactly. So, yeah. Jack, but, so Jack got some extra value there is what I'm saying.
2: Right, right. Um, so what do you but, think Jack's motivation is for getting that third staff? Who is he I trying think, to keep it away from? I think he's nervous.
3: Yeah, I think he's nervous too. I mean, the, the Dodgers have some injuries um, and, and the Red Sox have some injuries.
2: I was watching the beginning of the Giants and Dodgers game tonight, and they expressed the idea that the Dodgers seem to be confident that Kershaw will be coming back sooner than they thought. Because it's West Coast, I don't pay as much attention to I didn't realize they were so far ahead. There's something like 40 games over 500. That's a little East Coast bias there. Yeah, yeah, life goes on. I'm a Red Sox fan. (laughs) They started 10 and 12, and and they're close to 40 games over 500. That's that's ridiculous. Cody Bellinger, baby. That just can't last. It's going to come crashing down. (laughs) Hopefully when he plays me.
0: I think the secondary story here is that Scotty once again didn't pull the trigger because I know from Scotty that he was talking about the Cubs too. And was bummed out that uh, Jack got the Cubs, right? You would send him a, a trade yeah. during the podcast, right?
3: Right. Scott has obviously has way more of a life than any of us because for him to be bummed out about it, there's just no reason that he would have. I mean, uh, I, I did. I sent him a, a trade offer again. It was a fair trade offer during the podcast last week. And, you know, and it's not like he hemmed and hawed about it and I moved on. He's never heard anything from him.
2: We've been cracking on the Cardinal staff and questioning the Cardinal staff for the entire life of this podcast, and they just keep getting better and better and better. Maybe he doesn't need to worry about that.
0: There's a lot of wisdom in that statement, for sure. I mean, they just put up a 10.8 this week. So, you know, if you're in double digits with your pitching staff, you're doing pretty good. The only thing that I would challenge you on that is that he himself said that he was worried about his pitching staff. And certainly if there's a a change to the Cardinal staff, you know, if if they traded away Lance Lynn or, you know, somebody like that, which I've heard some talk about, then he would definitely need to have another staff in his back pocket. And I have some inside information that he's continuing to look at um, different pitching staffs. I know that there was some talk with Dusty for the Diamondbacks and there's some talk with Pops about the Yankees now. Whether he's able to concert, you know, close those deals, I don't know. You know, he's got a surplus of talent. He's talking about he has to shed some folks to make room when people come off the DL. Scotty seems a little like the pace of the game is moving a little too fast for him right now. And I love you, Scotty, if you're listening. This is not a criticism of you as a person. It's just when you get in that playoff run and there there are deals to be made, you you have to you have to grab those deals. It's just its too ephemeral. It'll, it'll disappear, or someone will get cold feet, or someone else will talk to them. And
2: Okay, I, I'm watching the, watching the highlights tonight, and Chris Owings goes down, who's in his game this week, and I'm, I'm going, oh, wow, this could affect the race. And then I look down there, and he's still got freaking five-point fam on his bench. I, I, I think he's in a pretty good position right now. I, I don't necessarily agree that he needs to give up too much. I understand what you're saying about you know, grasping it rather than letting it come to you because that's what I'm trying to do this yeah, year. Yeah, But, well, but he I, did. I, I,
3: I wasn't asking for much. I, I Really, I really wasn't asking for much for the Cubs. A Starbucks
0: $5 gift card and a pat on the back.
3: That's right. But I think Tim's right in, in a certain respect that he should have acted more quickly if he was really that interested. But also in his defense, this year has been an unprecedented trade year for our league the deals are really flying at a, at there's more people trading, more frequent trades. And so if he was basing it upon his history in the league, he might've thought, well, I, you know, I have this, the act, the game's active for this week. Let me, uh, let me take this week to mull it over. But there's been a lot of trade action, which is great, but I think we're all having to, to adjust our, um, you know, our expectations.
0: Does that have to do with our podcast? Does it have to do with in the league? Does it have to do with a combination of those two things and some other uh, uh, factors? Because the trading is not just between the four of us on the podcast. That's right. And, and I know that there's at least two or three others that are listening to this podcast um, that are in the league. And I love you guys. And I'm so happy that you're listening to this. So, so I'm, I don't know if that's the case, but this is an active league where we are two weeks away from the playoffs. And there are some teams that are clearly out of it, yet there's still a lot of trading going on. And, um, you know, just back to talking about Scotty real quick, he did make a trade with me, which was a pretty professional trade, where he picked up Zanino and Taylor. Taylor's a middle infielder for the Dodgers, and Zanino obviously a catcher for the the Mariners. Um, and he gave me back a prospect, which he doesn't like to do. He gave me a guy that's 23 years old. So to me... That's probably saying more about Scotty than a lot of people and that he would trade away a young outfield prospect who was 23 years old. So he, he is doing some things, but it took him a week to, to kind of get there.
3: Prior to this year, Tim, I, I, you know, Pops and I have traded quite a bit in my history with the league. You and I have traded uh, and I've made an occasional other trade, you know, with with the, the Dreamers or with I think once a while ago with Scott. And the common thread is uh, I knew all of you guys who I've traded with more frequently, but uh, you know, we, Joe and I are talking more. Um, We've had many of the owners, if not all of the owners now on, uh, except for maybe pops on, on here. They're listening to the podcast. I think our world is getting a little um, more integrated Mm -hmm. because of the podcast. You know, the things that are happening on the air, but also the relationships that are strengthening off the air. It's just uh, we're bringing it in a little closer, which is good. And and I think it's super healthy and it makes this a a really fun and exciting year. That was one of my, uh, you know, I love the league, but that was, if anything, that was one of my major kind of uh, dissatisfiers was that I, I looked at my roster, you look the waiver wire and you think, well, there's a relatively small group of, potential owners I can trade with because I've sent trade offers to others and it would be no response, not even, not even, uh, reject them. There just would be Mm -hmm. radio silence in the past. And that's, uh, that's stopped and that's good.
2: Yeah. I know I've been way more active directly because of the podcast frequently traded with Tim over the years. Um, we sort of approach it the same way. So it's been easy. Although now that I think about it, I cannot remember the last time I made a trade with Jack. I know I've done it, Hmm. but it's, it's been years. I think it was probably involving Matt Kemp and Carlos Gonzalez or something like that. Holy shit. Six or seven years ago. But yeah, it's, it's opened up, you know, and, and it's not just building the relationships for me. It's listening to other minds talk about ideas like, Hey, you know, if your team's in it, Go out and make a trade. It's, you know, I, I, I always have played it pretty conservatively up to this point. And the one year I won, I did not.
3: So, so the relationships, that's kind of a socially positive reason for more trading action. You know, maybe a, uh, a less socially positive aspect of it is the fact that we're taking one another's inventories on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and putting it out there for other people to hear, you know, and so. yeah, But I
2: also think that, you know, there are possibilities from both directions. And you alluded to that before when you were talking about, you know, the guys that are out of it making trades, you know, they, they're, they're all of a sudden getting in on it. They're saying, OK, well, maybe I can spin this into something better prospect or something, although I haven't had much luck. Yeah, I'm probably more willing to deal prospects than most of you guys, and nobody ever wants my prospects. (laughs) (laughs) Except Tim. (laughs) Tim just (laughs) wants him to trade him to somebody else. (laughs) The other
3: thing, too, is, you know, and we've talked about, you know, Tim mentioned parity briefly. I think that's probably has something to do with it for you know, for as much as we decry people making that bold move, there has been a lot of bold moves this year. And I think part of it is just the fun and the opportunity is there. Where in the past, Tim, you know, you've had you had a quite a run there where you were clearly the favorite and very dominant. And so maybe people thought, I don't want to pay the fee or that perpetual, I'm gonna wait for next year or two or three years. This isn't my year. This isn't my year. But then there, but there's been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of good races this year. And so people probably feel um, inspired to try to stay competitive. And that's, that's, again, that's a cool, fun thing.
2: Well, at this point last year, I wasn't paying the attention that I am clearly this year because I was out of it. But were the teams that were heading towards the playoffs last year at this time, were they as close together as the top three are this year?
3: In my opinion, no. I, that's the point I was going to make, Joe. You just made it. it yeah, Tim, I hear what you're saying there was more teams who had a mathematical possibility to make the playoffs. Right. But the the Peloton last year was, you know, all trailing you as the lead rider. Right. And, and this year, there's not as many teams who have a chance to make the playoffs, but there are more teams, in my opinion, who should rightly feel like they have a legit shot to take it all. I am curious, Tim, when you were giving the weekly recap, you, you kind of uh, put a nail into Chris's coffin and said, well, uh, this loss may be the proverbial uh, Mm -hmm. straw. Is it because of the schedule? Is it because he plays Jack and Joe the last two weeks of the year? Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I know that um, years from now, people will be going through this podcast and wondering if we were kind of embedding satanic verses when Chris was interviewed because no one fucking knows what he was saying. But essentially... What he was saying when I was recording it, it I could hear it clearly. I don't know. On the the actual mix down, it wasn't that clear. Was that his schedule for the next two games is Joe and Jack. He's playing Godzilla Mm -hmm. and King Kong, you know, and and now he's got to win both of those games. Chris is very cautious. We can call it a number of different things, but Chris is, he's very intentional very cautious for him to make a move is big news. The risk analysis he's doing, whatever that risk analysis is that he would end up not making the playoffs, he he's putting this schedule as, as a reason to not invest more money in the team. And, and there's there's a, a logic and a rationality to that that I think makes sense. However, there's a contra-logical approach to this, which is the worst fucking place to be is coming in fifth because you're, you're not in the playoffs, you have no chance to win any money, and your pitching staff is on the wrong end of where you want to be. The way I look at it, if I'm in that situation, is I'm going to make moves. Now, I had to make those moves earlier in the season because my season was slipping away. And so I got aggressive. And then when I realized the season was gone, that's when my trading strategy changed. But Chris is cautious. And and I think not getting the Cubs, where he, he maybe should have overpaid a bit, in, in my opinion, at least puts his chances of getting to the playoffs much further back than it would have been had he won.
2: You seem to be at the center of a lot of the trading in this league. This is the first time in how many years where you've been a seller? <laughs> you've got this great lineup that was underperforming a lot of good assets to get. I I made a couple trades with you based on the idea that I could get something from you that wouldn't normally have been the case.
0: Right. That's a good thought. It's a good thought. So let's take a break, go ahead and refill our drinks and come back and talk about some things. I'd really like to dig into, you know, Swagger and the gods striking back. I think there are some teams that are racing to the bottom. I'd like to break those teams down a little bit. We know Pops is already there, but there's some other... What does the bottom of the standings look like? I'd also like to look at uh, some other, other subjects.
3: And Tim, if I may be so bold and, and to tell the listeners, I, I, I want to take uh, take exception with some of uh, Joe's boorish behavior last week and and tell you a little bit about how he pissed me off.
2: <laughs> you, have, you have to be very specific because that's a
0: daily oh, occurrence. Yeah, I will <laughs> Okay, boys, uh, we'll talk to you in a few minutes. You
2: can call it how you want I ain't giving you a dog.
4: This time I ain't gonna run away. This time, this time. This time. This time. This time I ain't gonna run away. Not this
1: time. My aesthetic is cool dad giving another shot at his younger self.
0: Welcome back. It's been really interesting watching Jack's team all year long. And I got to tell you, I think the gods are striking back. With Price going down on the Red Sox and Jack having to get yet another team, another pitching staff, do you think he's still confident? Is it just confusing? I'd like to have him back on the call and ask him if he really doesn't believe in luck because, Jesus, he's getting some bad luck. He's still putting up some wins. But, boy, everything that happened seems to kind of cast a pall over his, you know, march through the playoffs like I thought was going to happen a few weeks ago.
2: Didn't I uh, get a bunch of crap a couple of weeks ago about cursing him improperly?
0: Well, apparently, you know how to do it, and I don't. Yes, you did get a bunch <laughs> of crap. Boy, since that curse, that clumsy excuse for a curse, well, I guess it's not an excuse. I, I, I you know, uh, since that, that curse, he's really been in trouble. Well, I— well. Let me. Let me. I don't want to. I don't want to be hyperbolic. He's he's still putting up wins, but now he's getting into the area where the wins are kind of like you're lucky you play you've played who you played, and I think that goes out the window, even in fantasy baseball during the playoffs.
3: Oh, how the mighty have fallen, though, right? I mean, last week, if we all remember, Tim declared Jack in a loss the weekend's big winner.
0: <laughs> it was really about simple regression. Like his players were too hot if they cool down before the playoffs, the expectation is they would warm back up. And over the six potential six weeks of the playoffs, he would have a hot team. That's really where I was coming from.
3: Well, it is interesting having made a trade with him this week. So I was looking over his roster and thinking about who I might like. And now uh, what what a difference a couple of weeks can make. Cause suddenly uh, this juggernaut that Mm -hmm. we all saw Mm -hmm. is now seemingly looking like a, a collection of older fading players and guys having aberrant career years, you know, the Dickerson's, mm-hmm. but then he's got Bautista Cabrera, you know, a yeah. um, you know, bunch of older players Cano, mm-hmm. And it, and suddenly it's like, man, maybe, maybe this, he's about to swoon here. Um, well, here. Here's
2: a very real, real scenario. Had the playoffs started last week, he would have played either me or Scotty. Both of us have beaten his score the last two weeks. That series is over. He's out oh. of the playoffs.
0: Oh. Mm. Yeah. Shit. Joe, you're paying more attention than anybody else, I think. <laughs> Don't get me started about how how much Jack or how much Joe's
3: paying attention to everybody's in-game roster moves. I got so pissed off this week. Was it Monday or Tuesday? I was depending on you. <laughs> yeah, so Joe sends this uh note of encouragement earlier in the day. Clearly, it's it'll be good for him if I beat Scotty. I get it. That's fun. Then, you know, no I'm not even in I'm not even home from work i'm on west coast time here and I, what god I, I made some sort of a comment about mash or something <laughs> thing like that joe was like your team looks like a mash unit or something, something like that I was like, and i was like what the fuck is he talking about you obviously I, I, didn't I, want I,
2: that donkey
3: i have a couple of players on the on the dl but my team's been pretty damn healthy this year and i responded to that effect like what are you talking about joe my team's pretty healthy and you're like well, you better check the site. <laughs> not based on what Jack told me. It's not just Joe, you know, not looking over my shoulder from the fucking backseat. It's Jack needling him from afar. And so I, you know, I look on the on the site and, and lo and behold, uh, I had one player that I knew was Springer. I knew he was injured, so I had replaced him because I'm a responsible owner. But then there was uh, one guy who, you know, Sano, he got banged up. It must have been right at game time. And then... Cozart, uh, he was he was injured in the fucking game, <laughs> and so then I felt I don't know if it's Catholic guilt or what. I felt compelled to like apologize because you know? I hadn't <laughs> uh, replaced my injured players quickly, enough. I was like, hey, listen, dude, Cozart. I, like I did all this research. Cozart got injured <laughs> in the game. As soon as I finish this text, I'm going to replace him for tomorrow. And uh, yes, uh, I'll monitor Sano. He's listed as day-to-days, but rest assured, if it doesn't seem like he's a go, I'll put in Matt Adams. Okay? How's that sound?
0: Like a good Catholic, you transferred your guilt to me and saying, look, I know you're busy, but could you please fucking make these oh, yeah. changes? Joe's up my ass. <laughs> was, and,
2: uh, yeah, right. right? And, and, this, so- and this is the problem with communicating through text messages is I had no idea you felt that way. About that. <laughs> I was just commiserating <laughs> with you.
3: Uh, commiserating, come on Joe like listen, first of all it's like uh, let me make a joke uh, but that also strongly makes it clear how much I really do want (laughs) Greg to beat Scotty, I offer my text apology for not being (laughs) diligent enough it took me 15 minutes to walk home from my fucking office in the heat I wanted to get some food, what a selfish (laughs) son of a bitch I am, I get it And so I apologize to Joe and he texts, it's okay, I just wanted you to get a donkey like, listen Greg, your game is irrelevant to me I just wanted to see you do well, yeah, please. And uh, and Joe's like, oh, I'm overexcited. You know, uh, I've I've had such a good run lately. You know, this is an epic run. Basically, saying what an epic run this is for me. <laughs> <so> I, <laughs> I can only imagine the excitement of being in the hunt.
0: <laughs> it's as if the Jack Swagger spirit has now left Jack and moved into Joe, and now it's like Joe Swagger. You know, yeah,
3: like a uh, bragging poltergeist that moved from <laughs> Jack to Joe.
0: <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like <gasps> he did it
3: again today. Did you catch that via text him earlier in the day?
0: No. What pretty nice week that mccutcheon had today. Oh, that I thought that was you. Joe texted. No.
3: Yeah, Joe oh,
2: texted Jesus that. Christ. That's why I
3: did the whole padding well, on it's, the back. It's, oh. it's
2: not. It's not funny when I point out how great Andrew McCutchen is.
3: No. no, I thought you would no,
2: appreciate that as a Pirates fan. No. Well,
3: if anybody else had done it, I would have really appreciated it. <laughs> but not <contrary laughs> you. All
2: right. Okay.
0: Well, it's funny, right? Because you know, Greg and I are. We're in a weird position, right? We've got to roll out the best team possible. For me, that fucking sucks this week because I won again, and another chance to get a better pitching slot has slipped away. There is this kind of weird race to the bottom. We know Pops, for sure, is going to be the worst. I I think actually mathematically, yeah, he's tied it up. He's, he's, He's sewn it up. But between Blondie and the Punks and the Dreamers, We've got we've got a real race here, right? It's
3: true, but it, you know, the asterisk next to Pops being the worst. I have for next year both his number one staff pick and his number one player pick. Oh, that's right. Players. Okay,
0: so for you, it's kind of easy to try to win because there's really no incentive. In fact, the incentive is Dude. strong for you to win, right? Because you you're giving your first round pick to Jack next year.
3: Yeah. Well, dude, the, let's get something straight. The, the incentive for me is always wrong to win. I always play to win. I picked up another freaking catcher today off the waiver wire because I, I was dissatisfied with Weeters, and I'm going to start him next week. Not that he's that great, but I'm still paying to upgrade my team because I, I want to win.
0: If we were to look at it just from a game theory standpoint, the incentive is actually, for you, a bit of a perverse incentive because you want to give Jack the worst pick he possibly can. Right. And because you, you already have the first pick, both player and pitching staff. However, I can't try to lose. Like I still no. am excited about winning, even though I know it's not in my best interest. It's like dieting. Like I know I should not eat the fucking goldfish that are sitting in the bowl. Right. The little goldfish crackers, because it'll put more weight on me. And, and I just it's hard for me to think about someone who would would willingly throw a game like that's that's actually pretty cold.
3: Yeah, listen, Jack is my first staff pick next year for the blondes. But I also have, uh, you know, I want to, I want to have two first, good first round player picks. You know, that is the consolation if I do lose. It's not the other way around. It's not that you know intellectually i'm gonna hope to lose and then if i win it's fun to win that's the consolation it's it's the reverse i want to win uh if i do lose despite my best effort joe it will be my best effort um then yeah that's the consolation prize i can think about next year uh that i'll have a better pick next year and that will help me win next year it's all about winning Mm
2: -hmm. no i i don't think there's anybody in the league that would deliberately tank a game i i just can't see it well i did
0: I did have to tell Dusty two different times on two separate occasions. Bauer is on the DL. Who do you want me to put in? It, it's a weird, as a commissioner, I saw that. And by the way, um, you had mentioned Jack kind of needling Joe. Well, Jack also, this morning, I wake up and you know get a text, good morning, sunshine. What's up with Bauer on the Dreamers? And had Dusty put in Santana, I would have lost.
3: No, but but we talked about it with Scotty earlier, and you know, it's a pace of play responsiveness type of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. damn, dude, I you know, I walk, you know, I, it's fifteen minutes since I check my fucking shit, and Joe's up my ass, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to be all over this stuff.
0: But but there is there yeah. is a kind of again back to my dieting uh, uh, analogy here, right? It would be rational for an owner to intentionally tank games rational
3: yeah immoral unethical yeah but rational
0: i mean it's it's like making solid choices today for a payoff tomorrow right yeah you know and if you were if you were steely enough and mentally strong enough right or you had you know more of a stoic kind of control over your emotions which i don't that would be the smart play the smarter play would would be losing while you're looking like you're trying to win so then the league would think that you your integrity is still intact
3: yeah but do you think that that type of um mindset is antithetical to a winner's mentality like you know uh, looking at it like a professional sports uh i don't know i i think that if you're that calculating to you know, to try to make it look like you're trying, but then also to have a plan and an intention to lose to me in my book that makes you a loser. You know, and the Marlins were, you know, known to, dismantle their teams and mm-hmm. then start anew. So to me, there is a distinction between a rebuild mm-hmm. like the Astros did and the Marlins regularly did. Within So whoever they had in the 25-man roster that year, the Astros were god-awful. Did the manager have the discretion to start the best eight guys put on the field, or were there guys who were like, I mean, was it so cynical that Chris Carter was on that team, let's say? Well, I actually just... I mean, were they saying, no, no, Chris, you, you have a five-game hitting streak going on, dude. You're too hot. We're going to put in Robbie Grossman, who I think was on that team, too. W- w- it wasn't that level of cynicism where they were like, okay, yeah, we're rebuilding. We're, 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 uh, we're going to play with, we're going to go with young players. We're going to take our lumps. The pitchers are going to take their lumps. But, you know, the manager wasn't removing a uh, starting pitcher in the fourth inning who has an effective start because like, oh, damn. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't good. It wasn't like the New York Knights in the natural is what I'm saying.
2: Mm -hmm. I I just listened to to an interview with the Astros general manager and he talked about that very subject and he said, look, we knew we were going to lose 100 games that year. We were not going to bring up a couple of these players because we wanted them to all come up at once to give us the best chance to win. And so they, in a way they did what you said, but in another way, like Tim was saying, it's they, they were making a conscious decision to try and put the best team together. And, it, and it's a little different because, you know, in our league, we don't have to start somebody's clock before free agency. They have to worry about things like that. Well, mm-hmm.
3: And Tim's talking about team construction and I'm talking yeah. about in game Game yes,
0: That That's an interesting way to look at it that I hadn't appreciated before. But we're, we're both general managers and the coach. Right. Essentially, what you're saying is that, well, the incentives to fill out the best lineup card doesn't change. But your roster construction and the players that you actually allow to be put on the lineup card, the daily lineup card, as a general manager that that makes sense to not put the best team possible out there because you're playing for next year. The only reason we emphasize integrity and we emphasize winning every week, and we've talked about it for the last five or six weeks, is simply not to give a team an advantage or not to disadvantage another team based on the schedule. I could just say, you know, fuck, my team was disadvantaged by the goddamn schedule. It was unfavorable randomness, for Christ's sake, right? (laughs) <laughs> so is is it favorable randomness if someone plays Dusty's team and they're in a playoff race and Dusty doesn't want to take a guy that's on a DL out because he wants to get a, a, a better pitching staff next year? I mean, why is why do we keep talking about integrity being that way? Maybe we're being a little disingenuous here. I don't think so. No,
2: I, I don't I think, either.
3: No, I think, you know, um, you know I, I wasn't trying to make the point like you know, the, the starting lineup that will be on my team tomorrow will be the best lineup that I can put out there because I do want to win. You know, not replacing an injured player, or you know, I could start, um, you know, Addison Russell tomorrow, um, but I, I'm not going to, you know, because I, I want to try to win. I could start Carson Kelly tomorrow at catcher, you know, who's in the majors, and you know, uh, he may get a game or two because uh, Matheny and, uh, and, um, and 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 uh, Molina are feuding. But that would that would be openly cynical. And I, I, I wouldn't do that. You, you I keep saying don't want to cynical.
0: Do that. And and I, I don't think that's the right Cyn- way. You're saying cynicism somehow yeah. putting a you know not the best team. And again, we've already established that for you the incentive is to win. That the rational move for you to make is to put the best team out because you've already got the best pitching staff that anybody could have. Or the best pitching staff pick. And and
3: right, right. But I still have a player pick. There's a whole player draft, too, though, Tim. I, you know, would I like to have the number one player pick and the number two player pick? Would I like that? Hell, yeah, I'd like
0: to have that. You would, but that's not going to have that much of an impact on your team next year. Right. It's yeah.
3: not the same motivation as my integrity, my pride. You know, my wanting to win is.
0: You know? but, but your integrity, why is it showing integrity? What, what, is, what makes it integrity-worthy? It's that you're not influencing another person's chances, right?
3: Well, no, it's because this is a competitive endeavor. Correct. Sports or fantasy sports. You're proving my point. You know that, right? I don't know. It's a competitive endeavor. And, and, you know, I want to win long term, but I want to (laughs) win short term, too. You know,
0: I want to do both. I, I think I am miswired in not making rational decisions. That that's what I'm telling you, is that my desire to win this week was completely irrational.
2: No, it, but okay. But to to argue that further, if 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 you do the something that isn't doesn't show integrity, you you sit no, no your why, lineup why because you want to lose
0: integrity. What 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 is what is?
2: I'm just going with the flow of the conversation.
0: <laughs> but you use the word like what? Why is it showing integrity to to because try you, to win?
2: Because you don't want somebody to do that to you.
3: Well, yeah, because the presumption is okay. is that we try to win.
2: You know, well, let's say you do uh, do that. Everybody, you, you bring up every scrub you have and put them in the lineup. You put your worst pitching staff in there. You drop your good pitching staff. Go pick up the worst one in the league and right. put them in there next week. Try and lose two games in a row. Right. All of a sudden, you've shown a side of you. The next time somebody wants to make a deal, well, I don't know if I can trust him. He doesn't have a lot of integrity. It's you know, bad. It has, it has ramifications. You guys have
0: not answered what. What makes it, what sh, why is that a lack of integrity? This is a competitive endeavor. My focus is to my team, and we should think that that competition is going to produce the best results over the long haul, over a long time. Now, I play you next week, Joe. Why is it show less integrity or more integrity? I'm getting to the definition of that word. If I put a shitty team up to you, against you next week.
2: Well, aside from the fact that I think that would be marvelous and you should absolutely do that. But you would be showing, by your
0: definition, that would be a lack of integrity if you'd even say that. Like, I'm just pushing back on this whole thing. We talk about integrity, and Jack Jack even used that with me. But but no one has actually said, well, it's a lack of integrity because blank. Like, just fill okay. that in. Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay.
3: Because we are in a a league that's a competitive league. Everybody wants to win, and they want to win based upon the merits of their team. We're not, this isn't like, um, what's that, DraftKings, where it's anonymous, single game uh, type of things here. You know, if I make a choice to throw in a the towel, then if I had made a choice to throw in a towel this week and next week, that could impact other teams who are fighting to make a a playoff run. So yes, perhaps illogical uh, or irrational uh, for the long-term benefit to my specific team. Yes, but I'm also part of a community of sportsmen. And so call it a lack of integrity or it's bad sportsmanship. I'm part of a community of sportsmen that depends upon the ethos of of us all trying to win our level best.
2: Are are you saying there's no moral part to the word integrity?
0: I I am really just pushing back on everybody keeps saying integrity, integrity, integrity. When in reality it's about schedule. You know, you talk about merit, right? Worthy of praise, uh, the ability to put the best team out there. Well, I did that. I mean, look at the power pole, you know, my team, Right. You know, did not produce the results it should have produced. Um, obviously where it's certainly doesn't show a lack of integrity when I trade active players for prospects um that will help my team in the future. So why does putting a less than someone's perceived optimal team out there show a lack of integrity?
3: Well, I think I use that analogy. I think I was effective in it. It's there's a difference between rebuilding your team
0: for the future. Look. I mean, I do think we should. Anytime there's someone on the DL, we should replace them. I I totally get that. And 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 frankly, if we don't, Joe and Jack will be on our ass. But the the idea is that the, I my incentive, in a pure game theory perspective, is to do something different than what everybody is saying. What a paladin would do is da 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 da. And I I think that's a little fucking kind of over the top. Like I, you know, frankly. <laughs> making a trade for a prospect is is somehow noble but you know holy shit well, right
3: you, uh, you, okay well we're, we're both taking extreme positions here. yeah
0: we are you know but, uh, yeah
3: i i'm not you know i'm no more a fantasy baseball uh yeah. paladin than you are a fantasy baseball terminator cyborg <laughs> you know uh i'm an emotionless robot uh, yeah,
0: we, yeah, right, yeah uh, right
3: you know yeah I, I get it yeah i get it you know um it's, it's a conundrum, but at the end of the day, we're, we're a group of friends or friendly acquaintances who are saying, you know what we know it could, it would, buy, you know, the right thing to do is to try to win, you know, and, yeah and, I, and I, yeah. and if I can trade away some players to make my team better, if I trade away the Cubs, I trade away the Cubs, but I picked up the pirates. The pirates are on a good staff. The Cubs were, you know, they're coming on strong. And so I don't think anyone would... would were the Pirates the best that.
0: statistical team to pick up?
3: No, but I had ah, a hunch what? that, well, there was logic to it. It's because I, I was hoping based... Yeah, yeah, based on their... Uh, re, like, you know, when I pick up guys off the waiver wire... I don't pick always up, pick because up because it's the your guy.
0: team. You like watching your team, right? Like,
3: well, no, it's because I'm most well-informed about them. And it's because I, I, I there was trade rumors that they were going to pick up some some pitching, you know, and so I thought, well, this, this would be good. You know, we can. some pitching, wait,
0: if the, the pirates are picking up pitching, they're giving away better pitching, right? Like why would they be, well, they're are you, are they in the race? They're not in the race, are they?
3: They were going into this week. Yeah, they were.
0: They're like three <laughs> and a half games out of the wild
3: card, you know, they were not three and a half games out of the uh, central division, you know? Right, right. I mean, well, I'm probably I mean, taken
0: this too far, but um, um, I, I, I do think that we, we, we throw around kind of, morality a little too much and that in reality um you know the one person that would be upset if i put in a shitty team against red metal would obviously be scotty right or Um, jack
2: uh, or jack or
0: okay really any of the playoff bound teams so what we're saying is that the playoff bound teams are in fact kind of more important than the other teams
2: is there anybody on this podcast that if if you traded all your your starting lineup for great prospects and had to put a shitty team on the field, but you still put the best team on the field, would anybody fault you for that? And that's uh, a lot different than you just saying, okay, I'm going to put in all my backups. There's a there's a huge difference there.
3: But Well, yeah, I but mean, like the me starting we- David Dahl this week, who's in the minors. You know, like if I put David Dahl in my starting lineup, you know. I used to have him.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That- that would then be put Vlad
3: Jr. in the, in the, in well, then, the, yeah, in the starting basically line. what
0: you do is you, that would be like an intentional walk, like in baseball. Now where you look, take your base, right? You don't yeah, have to throw stupid. the pitches. Just, just, just take your base. That that's what that would be like. You, you would just, you would basically put as many, I, you know, I would take my minor leagues and put them all in the major right. leagues. Right. Because yeah. every one of my minors in my, in my minor league are actually in the minor leagues. Right. I what I, what the reason I'm really coming at this, guys, and, and again, I, I apologize to, to all of us for this, but it was I knew it was irrational for me to want to get a win to move myself to eight and nine. It was, it was one of those things where I knew this was not in my best interest any way I looked at this, yet the emotion, which is, Greg, you called me on that, the emotion of this is I just couldn't unwire it. But it did get me thinking, well, fuck, you know, if I really was cold and calculating, I would try to make it look like I was trying to win. But maybe when I go through and look at the schedules, rather than putting in the six and seven game players, I put in a bunch of five game players. So Mm -hmm. I give away 30 to 40 at-bats against the other player. And my pitching staff just happens to be going to Colorado Um, You know, when I picked them up and I saw, oh, they've got, you know, three more series in Colorado before they're done. Right.
3: Yeah. What my only point was that the the type of mental type of thought process that would lead you to actually do that would, I think, preclude somebody then from being, you know, to have the same kind of uh, mental makeup that would drive a person to win. You know, I don't know. There's, I mean, I have no scientific evidence for that, but it's just like, you know, you, you try to win now and you try to win long-term. That's what winners try to do. And they don't always. obviously you don't always succeed, but that's what, uh, that's what you know, that's what players do.
0: Yeah, I think we beat this one uh, totally into the ground. And let's talk about some other teams. You know, I'm really, you know, I think about Mikey and Chris and I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, so they're not Godzilla and King Kong, but are they more like Mothra and Rodan, or Jay and Silent Bob, or Jesus Quintana and Liam? Like, like the, the, they're like there's this kind of another battle going on, but it's almost like the undercard uh, to you know Godzilla and King Kong. So I think we should just go ahead and refill our drinks and be back momentarily. See you in a few minutes, boys.
1: Guys who comment okay hand symbol emoji on girls' Instagram pictures at the beach are definitely the reason China is kicking our ass. Uh, Yeah,
3: um, okay, so during the break, Joe, uh, we were talking about some travel, and you know, it doesn't sound like you and, and the missus are big travelers. Uh, it reminded me of the time that I moved from Denver, Colorado, to Philadelphia. I was a young guy working in a different industry, and I, uh, I, I moved around a lot. They moved me around because I was willing to go, and it was fun to move around. And when I was living in Colorado, I had a pet ball python that I named, uh, Oscar. And so, you know, I was used to moving rather quickly. I didn't have a lot of stuff, whatnot. And so I, I was uh, moving from Denver to Philly and, uh, it's probably 97 ish, 98 ish. And, um, I'd never really lived that far from the East. Uh, Denver was the furthest West I'd ever gone. I acquired this pet snake while I was living in Denver so uh, I arranged everything with the mover. That was all pretty easy. I then decided to call the airline. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm traveling to Philadelphia, moving there, um, and I have a pet. You know, what what's the procedures? I've never traveled with a pet. And they're like, oh, we'd be happy to help you, sir. Is it a dog or is it a cat? I said, actually, it's a ball python. And they were like, oh, no, sir. Um, and this is, well, this is well before that you know, classic <laughs> snakes on the plane. They were like, Oh, you, you can't take a snake on a, on a commercial flight. I said, well, let me explain to you. This isn't, um, this isn't a 30 foot man eater. You know, this is a juvenile, juvenile ball Python. It's less than four feet long. uh, And these snakes are very, well. they're not, you know, high action snakes. Uh, Even as snakes go, they pretty (laughs) much just sit there all day and they eat once a week. I said, the only thing that would be endangered by this snake would be if there was a mouse on board, you know, then, you know, uh, he might be tempted to, to eat that mouse, but flat refusal. And I called a number of different airlines. This was back in the day before the internet, even really. So I was calling airlines. No, 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 no. I thought, okay, so what do I do? I'll call UPS. I'll call FedEx DHL. That's, you know, that puts a little timestamp on it. It was around that time. Right. No, we can't transport a live animal like that. Absolute refusal. But I love this thing. You know, I loved Oscar. He was a great pet and I couldn't leave him behind. I just couldn't do it. And so what I concluded that would be pretty easy to do was just to sneak him on the plane with me. (laughs) And back then I was super thin and and uh, culture and my eating habits uh, aligned well because baggy clothes were in vogue, if you guys remember back then. And so like and like monochromatic sweatsuits were in vogue. <laughs> and I had plenty of those. And so, um, you know, I, um, I, I put them in a pillowcase and I wore a pair of baggy sweatpants and I tucked my T-shirt into my sweatpants <laughs> I put Oscar in a pillowcase and I put him inside my shirt and then I put a sweatshirt over top of it. Went to the airport. You know, the airports were like a Greyhound stations back then. There was a metal detector where you just kind of all shuttled through it. And of course there's no metal. So zip, I went right through, I get on the plane, not a problem. Fly from Denver to JFK snakes on a plane, Snake on a plane. We landed JFK and I'm honestly, I, I forgot he was there. You know, I, I'm like a heat source. And if you guys have had reptiles as pets, they just like sitting on rocks, hot rocks. And so I was the ultimate. That's kind of an overinflated
0: this- sense of your body at that time, isn't it?
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like a hot Ottoman. Like, <laughs> a, a walking, talking. Ottoman, you know, a plush,
0: comfortable, Ottoman. No, I really I'm back. sorry, I didn't mean to, that was my, that was my rhythm first go around there.
3: with, with vegetarianism. I was thin. Okay. You guys know me. I, I was probably 170 pounds. Oh
0: my thing. gosh. Okay. Yeah. I
3: was thin. And so, but, so I, I really just forgot. And I didn't forget, but I wasn't thinking about him at all. He was, it was that, he was that docile. He was just curled a ball python that's their thing they curl up in a little tight little ball that's their thing it was fine land in JFK I get off the plane and there's a it's announced there's a weather delay there's like uh, electrical storms it was the summertime and so uh, I go to the hotel I mean the uh, airport bar I'm sitting there near the gate and a couple of other of my fellow passengers and I start to commiserate about um, you know this delay and the prospects for getting on the flight, it's probably seven or six or seven at that point. And I wanted to get to Philly, you know, uh, side note, I, I had forgotten my keys to my new apartment in Denver. I was oh. moving into an apartment with my brother and he was out of town on business. So I'd forgotten my keys back in Denver. So I needed to get to Denver. I needed to get to Philly before like midnight, because that's like the last time the security guy would know, let me into my new apartment. <laughs> so I was really motivated. I mean, the thought of getting a hotel room, I was so so young. I like, the thought of renting a hotel room unless instructed to do it by a business would even cross my mind. So I'm sitting there in the, in the airport lounge commiserating with these fellow passengers. And I just kind of said, you know what? Guys, best of luck. I can't take any of these delays anymore. I'm going to go rent a car. <laughs> and I stand up. And this uh, very nice young lady, kind of cute, uh, maybe a year or two, three older than me. Uh, I was like 25. It's like, oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. What, what's your name again? And I told her my name. She said, y- you seem like a, a nice person or a normal person, something like that. Now, if this was a movie, every other character, the, the <laughs> thing would have frozen. I would have like looked the deadpan into the camera, you know, <laughs> having a live snake in my shirt as I did. And I said, yeah, I am. I'm a nice guy. And she's like, you're going to suburban Philly, king of pressure, right? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, I live in Bryn Mawr. Is there any chance I could split the cost of this rental car with you? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. I said, actually, you don't even have to split it. My company will pay for it. She said, okay, great. So off to Alamo or wherever we went. and, And we get in this rental car. And we we're out of there. We're driving from JFK to Philly. It's, I think it's like an hour and a half, two hour drive. It is it is bad weather. It's <laughs> pouring down rain. Windshield wipers, boom, 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 boom. And um, quickly, the fact that we are strangers um, settles in upon us. There's not a lot of talk. We're both tired. We just want to get where we're going. Uh, commiserating in a public lounge is one thing, but being in a car in the middle of a rainstorm with essentially a complete stranger <laughs> That's another level of intimacy that we, you know, we were just both dealing with silently <laughs> and we're driving and I'm on the highway and, you know, my mind is wandering. And I thought to myself, what if Oscar emerged? You know, what, what if, what if something required me urgently to remove him from my shirt? And I actually started Kind of like, you know, thought bubbling. Like, I started chuckling to myself, like, I would probably get arrested. Uh, How would I possibly explain? Well, first of all, this young lady who, you know, who uh, deduced that I was a nice, normal guy, how could she possibly have, in their wildest dreams, thought that there's a chance that he has a live four foot ball python in his shirt? And and as we're driving down the highway, the New Jersey Turnpike or wherever we're on, I started thinking to myself, what would be my recourse? You know, I mean, remember, guys, there's no cell phones back in these days. So, like, what would happen if Oscar slipped out of the pillowcase that he was tucked in and, like, climbed out of my shirt and, like, emerged from my my right ear? Would this girl freak out and try to, like... I mean, I was smiling, but I also thought to myself, there's a whole range of possibility. Would she try to jump from a moving car? Is that possible? <laughs> uh, and that seems within the realm of possibility. Uh, I, I'd seen some people react very, uh, very in a very strong way when seeing my snake, when I would take it to the pet shop or whatever I needed to take it to the vet, whatever. I thought, well, yeah, maybe she would jump out of a moving car and I would be somehow held responsible for her assault or you know, death or an injury would she attack me would she try to kill me and, my, or, and or my pet would she grab the wheel you know would, would we would she just you know probably what seemed most likely is that she would just demand that i let her out of the car <laughs> and then you know she would have to call somebody but she would also probably call the police and how would i explain that i wasn't sure if it was even legal. Taking this snake on this commercial flight to begin with. Well, I guess it wasn't because they told me I wasn't allowed to transport a snake <laughs> on a flight, let's be honest. And So all these things are running through my mind and I suddenly became very nervous that Oscar was going to somehow slip out of his bag or that he was going to sense my unease and maybe strike biting me or something like that. And I thought there's no fucking way that I'll be able to rationally explain the, a good reason for why I have this live snake in my shirt. And off we went, continue to drive. <laughs> Eventually, though, uh, we arrive in Philadelphia. We arrive in suburban Philadelphia. Uh I don't I don't think I I know I didn't I know I don't remember her name. Uh obviously no contact ever since then, but we made it safely. Nothing happened. I know the, the great ending to the story would be, you know, something monumental where he gets off, but he didn't. I, I made it safely. I made the janitor of the building let me in. And uh, Oscar lived uh, several more happy years until he had a, he accidentally bit a wood chip while he was trying to catch a mouse, and he hurt his jaw uh, and that caused complications in his death. But, but uh, to this day, I wonder if that girl ever reflects, probably not, but it is a fairly unusual thing to do is to catch a ride with a stranger. If even once or twice or three <laughs> times reflected upon this story, like, oh yeah, once when I was young, I got in a flight delay and I, I, I uh, you know, I latched on to a stranger's offer for a ride in a rental car. And you know, what would this girl do now, low these many years later, if she knew that the the, the guy that she identified as Joe Average uh, actually had a live ball python tucked in his shirt? You know? <laughs>
2: well, the, the, she, she probably does have a version of that story, and she probably has reflected back on it, it and probably involves the phrase, what if Oscar emerges right now? only Oscar is a euphemism for something yeah. else i mean that's Your that's penthouse. probably the worst thing she thought of oh <laughs> well, yeah right i mean <laughs> if she, if she only true.
3: knew that, that was part of my calculation because i'm i'm a i'm an introverted guy and I, I do pride myself on being a gentleman i wonder you know if if he at any point in that journey was like man i really do hope this guy is a gentleman i hope this guy doesn't try to do anything uh take a, make a even if it's just an awkward pass at me Boy, that would be awful. I'm thinking to myself, she might be thinking this, and then I had to chuckle and think, if only she knew how much worse it could be. It's not me asking her to to <laughs> dinner at Red Lobster, you know, next Saturday night. It's there's a live four foot uh, python, you know, uh, writhing around inside my my tracksuit here.
2: I I just picture you saying, hey, you want to see my bald python? <laughs> she just has a completely different image. <laughs>
3: Yes, yeah, but I, I mean, I really did think, how would I possibly explain this? And I was running over like, what's a reasonable scenario for why this came to pass? And there just is no <laughs> a, uh, no scenario. Awesome.
0: <laughs> no, there's none. There's none. So, awesome. yeah, right. So, uh, wow, uh, w- really helping me distrust strangers even more. Thank you. Um You're welcome. Yes. Well, listen, uh you guys are definitely not strangers. Uh love the both of you Thank you for doing this tonight. And I hope you have a wonderful week and Joe, good luck. I know you're still um uh in the playoff run and uh although Greg and I will still be trying to win. Uh I we won't be Wouldn't
2: you know. have it any other way.
0: <laughs> who, who do you play this week? Uh, Tom? I, I played
2: play him. Oh, okay, good
0: yep that's good yep so i put uh, my Joe, if, if best i noticed possible that there's any team injured
3: players uh and tim's not getting to them I'll, I'll shoot them a text we're
0: on the same time so. <laughs> hey congratulations right. on your new place man and uh uh greg it looks beautiful and we'll uh we'll talk Thanks, to you later guys. guys good night love you guys love All you too right. man take care guys bye
4: Day. I pray to get to know ya Please wanna be close to you, yes I'm so hungry You're like water for my soul when it gets thirsty Without you there's no me or the air that I breathe Sometimes the world is dark and I just can't see With these demons around all around To bring me down to negative achieve But I believe, yes yeah, I believe I said I believe so if I be brought down on one knee, I fight with all of my might to get these demons to flee. Hashem's rays fire blaze burn bright, and I believe Hashem's rays fire blaze burn bright, and I believe out of the darkness comes light. Twilight unto the heights, brown lights burning up onto the twilight. So thank you to my God, now I finally got it right, and I fight with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my might to fight. Stealing my love and sealing, I give myself to you from the essence of my being, and I sing to my God. Songs i love and healing, I want Messiah now. I'm it starts a feeling, what's this feeling? My love will rip a hole in the ceiling. I give myself to you from the essence of my being. And I sing to my God. Songs of love and healing. I want Messiah now. With the legs and reveal your soul You gotta give yourself up and then you become whole You're a slave to yourself and them don't even know Your mother's live the fast life but your dream moves low If you can try and stay high, bound to stay low You want God but you can't deflate your ego You're already there, then there's nowhere to go Your cup's already full, then it's bound to overflow If you're drowning in the waters and you can't stay afloat Ask Hashem for mercy, he'll throw you a rope You're looking for help from God Say he couldn't be found searching up to the sky Looking beneath the ground like a king without his crown You keep falling down You really want to live But you get rid of your crown You're trying to reach onto the heights And run down bound on the ground Giving up your pride Then you heard the sound Out of night comes day out of day comes light And I fly to the one like sunlight so in a rain Making room for His love And a fire gun blaze Make room for His love And a fire gun blaze What's this silly man I will rip a hole in a ceiling I give myself to you From the essence of my beginning I sing to my God songs of love and healing I want me she now What's this feeling? My love will rip a hole in the ceiling. I give myself to you from the essence of my being. And I sing to my God. Songs of love and healing. I want up now.
1: Welcome to Atlas Bakht, a weekly chronicle concerning the... M-